Welcome everyone to the FIFA Play On podcast. I'm Alvaro Soler, one half of your hosting duo. Let me tell you what we've got in store today. I'm looking forward to this one. We take another trip down memory lane with a brilliant around the world. And it's the penultimate edition of Versus where Annie and I flex our footballing and musical memory muscles. Wow, lots to cram in. Let's get to it and see who our guest is. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Fieldwork, the part of our show where we talk to a footballer about their life, their passions, and maybe a little bit about their musical tastes. Our guest today plays her football with Arsenal and is firmly established Matilda. That's a member of the Australian women's team, for those that don't know. It's goalkeeper Lydia Williams. Born in Katanning to an Aboriginal father and American mother, Lydia's playing career has a similarly broad reach, playing her football in Sweden, the US, and in Australia's WSL. In true FIFA play-on style, she's also a big music fan, regularly taking the role of dressing room DJ. Lydia, we can't wait to chat to you. What's up? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm back in London and enjoying the, the cold weather. How are you finding life in England? I know you've just said it, you're cold and, and it's, you're not, you can never get used to the cold, but how are you finding it? How do you find it playing in the, in the English WSL? Um, to be honest, it's amazing. I think I grew up watching the EPL. I think it was like at 4.30 in the morning back in Australia and they'd only show maybe one game a week. So it was kind of like the weekend tradition to get up and, and watch a game. Usually it was Arsenal, um, Manchester or like a Chelsea game. So to actually be here living the dream and kind of having a women's team that, that represents you know, such a rich um, football culture over here. I think it's just honestly, like, it's incredible. So Lydia, take us back to the start of your career. I think it's always, you know, I always love the question, how did it start for you? you know, how did you know football was the, the thing for you? And how did you come acquainted with the sport? Uh, to be honest, everything kind of was, I guess, luck or, or fell into place. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Katanning and then I moved to a place called Kalgoorlie, which is a small country town in Western Australia. And I mean, anywhere in Australia, that's a little bit smaller, you play all kinds of sports on the weekend. So that's literally what my parents' job was to drive me around to <laughs> basketball, football, athletics. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't until my mum got a job in the other side of Australia and we moved over and literally football was the only sport that I could join up hmm. in. And it just kind of started from there when I was about 12 years old. I remember I also had the same situation in school where everyone was just playing football because uh, I was going to this German school. And then in Germany, everyone's like super focused on football. And, and I remember I, I sucked so bad at it. You know, I was super bad. And I was always you know i thought oh man if i would be a footballer that you know i i i'm not gonna get a career right now so i'm i'm happy it worked out for you <laughs> no thank you <laughs> me too lydia i'm always fascinated when i speak to goalkeepers like did you start out wanting to be a goalkeeper or did you start outfield get pushed into goal like the story of a goalkeeper how it started is always so fascinating so how did it did you always want to be a goalkeeper uh well i actually ended up playing afl a little bit out in the the middle of the desert my dad being indigenous that's what, like a lot of indigenous kids would play that so i learned how to kick a, an afl ball and catch and mark and and run around so i wasn't scared of diving around or getting dirty or anything mm. and then football was kind of the most similar thing to being outside and kicking a ball and then i guess goalkeeping was it never phased me so i was like okay, yeah, this will be <laughs> yeah. a fun thing to do. And wow. I went in thinking that I'd be rotated around and I never did. So hmm. <laughs> it kind of just fell into place. Yeah, it's probably it's because you were good at it, I'm sure. Or a little bit yeah, crazy. Sure. You can just say that, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse than being a goalkeeper, yeah. but you're <laughs> definitely good at it. So you mentioned there that your father's Aboriginal. I know your mom is American, originally from Oklahoma. 
How was the move over to America for you playing in the NWSL? Um, how do you, how did you like that league? Um, and I know, you know, as an Australian in, in, in the US, it might have felt like a bit of a homecoming. So how, how was that experience for you? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I obviously went over to America a few times in my childhood um, to visit family and everything. So it was kind of familiar me going back there and I got to reconnect with a lot of my family members and cousins and um, my grandparents over there. So that was actually really exciting. And, you know, that league is just so... I mean, I guess intense is probably the right word. It's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, so much athleticism um, and so much just any team can be any team. I think you look at the league this year and literally up until the last game, there were, I think, eight teams going for the six spots or 10 teams. So, you know, it's getting more and more competitive over there and, and definitely the lifestyle over there it was a lot of investment and everything. So, yeah, it's definitely, I guess, different, I guess, coming from America than playing in, in Europe where you have the backing of the big clubs and, you know, there's Champions League, um, there's, you know, FA Cup, Conti Cup, there's all these different leagues that you can play in. So kind of that's a big draw card, I think, that that Europe has um, right. at the moment. So Lydia, let's go with your international career because, I, you know, I, I read that you were called up at the age of 15, which is just incredible. Uh, that's like super, super young. And since then, you've appeared over 90 times. How do you feel with that many appearances? Yes, I kind of have to pinch myself. Um, you know, I've had obviously a few injuries that kind of put me out for a year here and there. So mm. uh, to still kind of be around and, and, you know, being available for the national team, I, I guess I cherish every moment that I get to play um, and put on, you know, it's not the green and gold for me, but it still has the yeah. Australian crest. So um, just playing with the girls that I, get, I think we've all grown up together. I think the majority of our team have been teammates for nearly seven years so yeah that's, mm. that's pretty incredible I think and Lydia let's put the ball away let's chat a bit about music you may know that Leah Williamson came on this podcast and she professed to be the dressing room DJ um, <laughs> I've read in a couple of interviews that you're you that's your job that's been your job in the past so I want to know in a sound clash with Leah who is winning who is the best DJ you know what we're sharing our DJ um, with each other. So really? you know, I think, yeah, the change room the other day, she was playing it. The change room on the weekend, I had it. So we kind of go, I think, game by game or whatever we're feeling. But then, you know, if, if some of us aren't really digging what's happening, we'll go up and nudge each other and be like, I think you should put this song on. So <laughs> I, I want to say we're, we're pretty even at the moment. That's a very diplomatic answer, Lydia. Leah, Leah said it was her, so you could have, you know, you've, you've been very kind there. <laughs> and is it like, is it that you have like fans in, in in the team itself? You know, it's like people, oh, oh man, I like Lydia's playlist more. Like you should let Lydia play. The play. <laughs> I, I have you... introduced to a few songs, so it's definitely different music. I think um australians kind of we got a little bit of the american vibe so there is some like rap and hip-hop that i'll put on nice. and then, you know obviously leah's got the the european vibe so it kind of changes i guess game by game yeah that's good to know what's your what's your favorite tune when you know when everything is like you're at the party or you're in your back uh, in the and i'm always gonna say backstage sorry because of the music <laughs> in the changing room and then you feel the vibe is kind of losing somehow the you know the tension and what song would you put in then oh gosh whatever everyone's like gonna sing along to so usually it's like a jason derulo nice <laughs> there, there's actually there's actually one that i mean we had in our national team change room but it's it's a high school musical remix so <laughs> that actually gets put on um in the change room whenever we're we need a little bit of pump up is it is it breaking free because i'm just a huge yeah it is <laughs> oh yeah i love it <laughs> <laughs> 
free. Yeah, and then it goes <laughs> to like a heavy beat. So yeah, that that's the one. We're breaking We're free. Oh my god, I would totally fit into that uh, changing room <laughs> for that music. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's go and um, you know touch up the World Cup a little bit because I mean it's going to be a special one. Uh, musician Kelly Lee Owens uh, on the podcast was also talking about her amazing work um, because she did the theme tune for the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023. You know, you must be so excited because it's you know going to be in Australia. You're hosting the World Cup. Um, how how is it for you? Oh, it's so exciting. I mean kind of being beyond the scenes and everything. We got like a little sneak peek of her mm. music um, before it actually got, you know, put over, over social media and, and announced. So it's it's amazing to see just how many different realms, you know, FIFA's going to to discover, you know, new avenues and, and promote the game in even more ways. So it's actually, it's so exciting to finally have so many people in Australia, <laughs> which yeah. I every time I go somewhere, I'm like, you need to come to Australia. Like, It's too far away. I'm like, well, now that actually is an ex- and, and <laughs> A very good excuse. Yeah. I haven't been to either country, but I am so excited to be able to, you know, go. Um, I, I actually remember seeing the video of when you won the bid, and I just, I can never forget that video. Like, the excitement, the joy was just, like, so amazing. You know, I think it kind of went viral, actually, that video. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's amazing. What what would you say would be the state of club football in, in, in Australia right now? I know, obviously, the World Cup's coming, but how's the league doing, the women's league? Uh, there's definitely heavy investment from our men's club teams into the women's game. Uh, obviously, they know they mm. want to promote as much as possible leading up to the World Cup, but then also developing our next national team players. I think it has to start from home and then they can be right. moved out to, to overseas. So it definitely is more of a development league at the moment, but there's so much investment in it um, to try and, and bring it up to scratch to, to what it is over here in Europe and obviously America, but it's going to take time. Yeah, of course. And so exciting. So exciting. So now we're going to move into a quick fire section, Lilia. There are going to be some football and music questions. All we want is the first thing that comes to your head. The questions are arranged into past, present and future. So let's start at the beginning. What's your first musical memory? Um, my parents playing the guitar and piano in church. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> I was like eight years old. But was it was it good? Was it a, a Catholic or... Um... Protestant or what? Uh, like uh, a Christian church, but my dad loved country western, so he'd just bust out yeah. in country western like halfway through and do what he wanted to do. <laughs> it was it was wild. My parents did whatever they want, really. Oh, amazing. <laughs> country and western gospel. I like it. I like yeah. it. What was your first football match that you went to? Proper one was in the 2000 Olympics. Um, I think it might have been Norway and Nigeria playing in Canberra, and that was when I realised I actually wanted to do this for a living. Wow, I love that. And your first footballing hero? Uh, Peter Schmeichel. Ah, oh, my God, what a legend. Had to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and bringing it into the present, do you have any pre-match ritual, rituals, anything that you do kind of you have to do to get ready for a game? Gosh, that day I have to have peanut butter and jam. In one oh, of my meals, wow. have to do that. Have had it forever, so yep. Wow, that, I think that's probably the most specific 
pre-match ritual we've heard so far. Oh, really? Right? Oh, God. <laughs> Everyone's For more sure. like, yeah, we go in a circle. We kind of do a little shouty thing. We play on some music, but like eating your like you know peanut butter jam is just oh. hilarious. I think oh, that's yeah. the best I take one. That yeah, thing everywhere. Everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, the peanut butter and jam. I'm always a bit. Where's the peanut butter? And they give me some jam. And how soon before the game do you have to have this sandwich? Well, it can be usually pre-match, but if there's not going to be like bread or you know pancakes there, then I'd have it at breakfast. So really, wow. depending which meal it is, it just what's accessible and I'm fascinated so if you don't have that sandwich do you then feel like you're going to have a bad game or how does it process gosh I, thought, I can't remember when I haven't had that sandwich <laughs> I love that so, it must be working I love that that would be so amazing you, you kind of forgot you 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 didn't have it and then somebody from the side of the of the uh, stadium just comes in she needs her sandwich like, and then you just go even on if the it's side. like a little peanut butter tub and like some jam and I'll just scoop that out on a spoon that's brilliant and so last one and for the present, what's the best place that football has taken you? Oh, wow. Um, I never thought I'd, I'd travel the world. So kind of probably like the one, the most interesting cultural place was probably Russia. Right. Um, I just never would have thought getting there would be, you know, anything that I would ever go to. I mean, I'm in Europe. Everywhere in Europe is just amazing. Right. Travel an hour and you're in another country for us, you travel an hour and you're in another town so yeah it's, it's, it's incredible coming over here yeah for sure yeah i love europe too um now going into the future now um one question that interests me quite a lot because i i, I wouldn't know what to answer in this one but do you have any tickets like for any show or any festival in the near future i actually do yeah which ones i'm going country to country oh so it's a, it's a country music festival in london i'm actually going with leah ah, wow. it's called country to country okay mm. <laughs> i didn't know if you I were just that. hopping country to country to yeah, go no, it's, it's like literally country musicians so I, I can i can listen to anything i'm kind of partial to country like to chill out and stuff and when i saw there was like all these country musicians coming i was like oh yeah this will be cool wow yeah, that's well, that's a good festival i just got myself uh some for coldplay really looking oh, forward cool. for that one That'd yeah. be very cool. I've got Wizkid tickets. Oh, that's going to be <laughs> sick as well. Oh, yeah. I'm jealous. Now I need to go to more concerts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, having such a musical or you have a musical family or at least your parents, you know, they play instruments. Did you also grow up playing an instrument or do you have any musical? Apart from DJing, you know, do you also play an instrument or something? Funny story. My mum thought it would be nice for us to do a, a mother-daughter violin um, band. Oh, so yeah. she let me do the violin for about two months and then I just... I couldn't handle it, so I I, I bend it. You bent it. Bend it, so it's just put to ah, the side. I thought you you broke it. <laughs> I you know, know. <laughs> you bent. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, my my sister also she used to do violin. Also, I think it was two months as well. It's kind of the the max. If you start with the notes, you know, beginning with the notes and violin is just the beginning. Is oh just, yeah. Uh, it yeah. sounds like when you for what what it sounds like when you're a professional to when you start is a very very big difference. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, can you see yourself doing something other than football? Is that uh, an option? Gosh, well, I actually have a zookeeping degree. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, actually loved working with animals. Um, I think that's kind of cool. And obviously they're getting less and less in the world. So, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'd love to do, you know, animal preservation. That is amazing. How long did it take to do a zookeeping degree? Uh, well, I actually did it for a year and a half in Australia and it helped that you could fast track it if you're working in a zoo. Mm. Right. So normally it would be like a three, four year um, 
I guess, uh, study, but because I was w- working in it, I could do it pretty fast tracked and yeah, I worked wow. at zoo for four years and got my degree and yeah, it was kind of cool. That's so amazing. I went on a nice. safari once. Oh, I'm um, jealous. Oh, and, that's cool. uh, it, it honestly, Lydia, it changed my life. Like just the, the appreciation of wildlife animals. So that's a pretty, I'm sure that's a pretty, that was a pretty rewarding job when you did it. Oh yeah. But the bucket, that's on my bucket list. A hundred percent of safari. That would be amazing. Where did you go to? Where did you do that? At any? I went to Kenya, uh, Masai Mara. Cool. Yeah. It was, it's, I think if, if you're going to go on a safari, that's probably the place to go. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. It was Fun. amazing. You know, Lydia, thank you so much for joining us. I don't tend to say this as a former Chelsea player, but wish you all the best for Arsenal. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm sure you must be so excited in the lead up to to the World Cup in 2023. So good luck with everything and and thank you. Really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, it's that part of the show where we go back in time and hear a few great World Cup stories from a very special guest. It's time for Around the World. This week, we're talking to Jamaican artist Skip Marley about his and his grandfather's shared love of football and the recent resurgence of Jamaica's reggae girls. Yeah, we played all the time growing up, you know. Me and my bigger brother used to play for my school. Remember one time I got to go on the pitch and I played the wing, like Messi. <laughs> and then he's in the middle of it, he's in the box. And I remember I gave him a cross. And I remember just seeing his head jump above the defenders and head it into the goal. Yeah, that was like my favorite moment ever. Jamaica has some serious sporting pedigree, from Chris Gale and Courtney Walsh on the cricket pitch and Usain Bolt on the track. The small Caribbean island of under 3 million people has always pulled its sporting weight on the global stage. As they say, we're little but we're taller. Skip's grandfather, Bob Marley, is a true Jamaican legend. As his roots reggae music conquered the globe in the 60s and 70s, there was one particular sport that always travelled with him. Everywhere I'm going is, is ball. It's like life to him. It's a part of him. Everywhere him did go, they always tell me a story about ball I play. Anywhere, parking lot, anywhere they would go. Studio, concert, store, this house, that house. If there's a ball, they might play ball. Everywhere, you know what I'm saying? My grandpa said football is freedom. And 50 years on, football is still adored in Jamaica. The kids are always playing football in the street, you know? Actually, it's a lot of women in Jamaica now picking up football. And I don't know if you know this, but my mother is the ambassador of the national team 
it's been great watching the growth and it's been great seeing, you know, the rewards, like for all the hard work, you know, what we've put in. And, you know, it's just great seeing the project grow and the whole program grow, you know. Skip's mother is the multi-talented Sadella Marley. She's the CEO of the Bob Marley Group of Companies. She's used her energy, power and vision to revitalize the Jamaican women's national team. The program was struggling. Tough Gang, you know, which is my grandfather's, you know, which my mom runs. I think it was the, the One Love Foundation as well got involved with their program and really turned it around. A lot of people helped and a lot of people were involved, you know what I'm saying? And now it's like a bigger program almost than the boys. Fundraising, profile, building the whole organization, putting necessary pieces in place, you know what I'm saying, for everything to run smoothly and build together. A couple of short years after the reggae girls had reformed, they made history at the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup. It was the first time Jamaica qualified. What greater honor than to have my own mother be a part of such a you know historic moment, you know? Yeah, that was huge. What a start to life at the top table for Jamaica. A game against Brazil. Brazil was a great team. Mata. Yeah. Great, you know, it's just great energy. Like they're excited to even be playing Jamaica and you know, meeting my mother after the match and you know, things like that. It was just a joy, man, you know. But Sadella and Skip weren't the only Marlies involved at the FIFA Women's World Cup that year. Skip's uncle had musical influence too. Yeah, I mean, we have a song called Strike Hard. But my uncle Steven and Uncle Dave, man, do. Strike Hard. <laughs> you know? Reggae girls, strike hard, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was like their theme song. It still is their theme song. Reggae girl, you are lead every step by step. Yeah, yeah, Back on the pitch, the football results hadn't been going too well after the first two group games ended in defeat. But the fans weren't downhearted. Jamaica had still to score the goal that would give their travelling fans something to celebrate. We was about to lead the charge, you know, we was going, we was the energy in the stands, so, you know what I mean, we radiated, so we was ready for charge, you know. You know, we think we can take them on, you know what I'm saying, no matter what, you know, we're here, so let's give it our all, you know. Group C comes to its conclusion, a point would put Australia through, but they'll want to win against the dancing reggae girls. Their final group game against Australia was their last chance to get on the score sheet. That's a lovely ball. Havana Salon round the keeper and in! What a brilliant goal for Jamaica! Crazy, crazy, crazy. Havana Salon, the half-time substitute. Jamaica have their first ever World Cup finals goal. It's huge, man. Like we said, any time when we can see Jamaica upon the screen, it's huge for us, you know, from a small place, you know what I mean? <laughs> we asked Skip what his hopes were for the future of the Jamaican national team. Winning the World Cup. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just being more, you know, getting better every time, you know, and always not falling back to not being in the World Cup, you know, keeping that history of qualifying and, you know, reaching for both male and, you know, men and women's bar, you know. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Big up the world of FIFA, big up football, big up everybody, big up all the countries, big up the whole community of football. You know? 
Wow, amazing stories right there. I love these around the world sections, you know, there's nothing better than a bit of World Cup nostalgia. Anyway, let's move to our Versus section and see if there's any history to be made today. So everybody, this is Versus, we're back, and this is the section of our show, as you know, where Annie and me go head-to-head. And we set a different challenge each week, and just like in football, the winner takes three points, it's one for a draw, and the loser gets a really, really big zero. So this week, uh, it's pretty tight, we're getting towards the end, um, so we still have a few games to go. So what, what do we have this week, Annie? Well, this week, we're going to be given a historic event in either musical football, mm-hmm. and we're going to be asked what year it occurred. The nearest guest, once again, takes the point. Right. You have some points to catch up on, but any slip-ups from me, you could be right breathing down my neck. So Yes, so let's go straight to the first question. Mm-hmm. So the first one is Uruguay have won two FIFA World Cups, including the first one that was in 1930. That was the first ever World Cup trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when was the second one that they won? Uruguay. I'm going to say they were dominant at the time they were dominant. So it wasn't, it wouldn't have been like another 30 years later. Mm-hmm. It would have been probably the next World Cup. If that was 1930, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with 1938. All right. I'm going to say 19... uh, Yeah, four years later. 1942. (gasps) So the answer is 1950. Oh, That's a point. That's a point for me. Okay. So the England football anthem, Three Lions, was a hit for Badil, Skinner and the Lightning Seeds. But when was it first released? Uh, What what is the song? Can we play a song? Three Lions on a shirt. Jewels remain still gleaming. Please, please tell me you've heard that song, Alvaro, unless you've been living under a rock. I mean... It's coming on. This is a trick question. Why? Because when was it first released makes it sound like it's a... It, like, was an original. Is it original? Yeah, it was or not. Well, I'm not going to tell you. It was a song specifically created for the tournament. Yeah. So, I'm going to say 1985... Okay. Because it kind of, I don't know, sound, song sounds like from that time. I'm going to say 1998. And the answer is 1996. I don't know why I kept saying 1998. I did know it was 1996. I, you know, I was obsessed. I had no idea. I was obsessed with that tournament. I don't know why I had eight in my head. But yes, the answer is 1996, which means that I got that correct because I said 1998. So number 1-1. Amazing. So the next question is... You'll Never Walk Alone by Jerry and the Pacemakers is sung at every Liverpool home match by the Anfield faithful. But what year did it come out? I mean, I'm not even a Liverpool fan. And that song just gives me chills every time it comes on. If you've ever been to... It is beautiful. One bucket list thing you have to do, Alvaro, when you're next in England is go to a Liverpool game and hear that live. I have to go. Um. Oh, when did it first come out? So am I guessing first? You're guessing first, yeah. This is hard. I think it was the 80s, so I'm going to go with 1985. Right. I definitely think it's earlier than that because the production of the song sounds earlier, like the the instruments. And that's everything. what you said about that's what you said about the last song. It was nineteen ninety six. Yes, but that's because they they had an old school style. That wasn't my fault. <laughs> but it sounds more like you know more like the Beatles to me. Like kind of, I would say nineteen seventy, maybe even the sixties. I'm just gonna say nineteen seventy. So the answer is nineteen sixty three. Ah. 
That was spot on. I didn't want to go too far down, otherwise it would be too far up with you. Wow. That is a historic song and they're still singing it to this day. It's amazing. I think I won now this time. So it's very tied up. 2-1 for us again here. Woo! All right. So USA are the most successful team in the Women's World Cup. But what year did they first win it? I mean, this is really hard. If I have to guess first, I have no idea. This is your field of expertise. Um, the 80s? Like is that a guess? When did women's football start? I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, you can you can tell me when women's football started. Women's football started during the war in the 30s and 40s. Like after the yeah, war. Yeah, 40s, oh. second second world war in England okay, anyway, so but USA, we're not but not World Cup. Well, I have no idea. That's why I'm guessing. So I would say USA must have been strong after the war because of the ally position. I don't know. I'm making <laughs> this up. So probably like 1950s. <laughs> Full stop. In my own world of explanation and like argumentation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to go for 1991 because I think I know the answer specifically to that. So I think it's 1991. So the correct answer is, and, and, and God forbid I didn't know this because this is literally my field of expertise. The correct answer is 1991. USA won the w Women's World Cup. It was probably the most famous world cup winning victory of all time if i didn't know that yes that was really easy this is unfair huh? this is if getting... i didn't know that i i would have just had to end the podcast yeah i mean i know i'm doing a fifa podcast but i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> okay any last question okay time to win or time to lose austria and switzerland set the record for the highest scoring game at a world cup finals It was 40 degrees Celsius that day, and the game had since been dubbed the battle in the heat in Lausanne. Switzerland were three up after 20 minutes, but Austria fought back to win the game 7-5. Wow. Oh my God. What year did this madness take place? 7-5 Austria-Switzerland. It's not something, it's not a scoreline I'm familiar with in modern World Cups. The last one I remember is like Brazil-Germany. Yeah. 7-5 Austria-Switzerland. Oh, I, I really can't remember there being a World Cup in Switzerland. I remember Germany. I'm going to go for the, mm, I don't know, 1975. I'm going to say 1972. <laughs> you jammy. If, the, if you get Here this. Here we go. Oh, oh, woo. Okay, the answer is 1954. Oh, are you kidding me? Right, Annie, you know what this means, right? This means we are tied. Wait, how are we tied? I, I got two points in that. Yes, I've got one question left. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> right. I got ahead of myself. Spain have won the European Championships three times. Alvaro, if you don't know this, you're, you, you've betrayed your nation. 2012, 2008, and on one other occasion, when was it? 2014. That's my guess. 2014. I'm going to say the same, 2014. No, you, you, you're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is no, 1964. <laughs> <laughs> I was like so in, I was so direct with the answer 2014 I know this of course I don't like 1964 so we both should get no, we kidding. both get a point for that no he's literally Spanish no that's not how it works you should lose a point no, for that that's disgraceful I am not a footballer Annie I should get an extra point for each well, answer Spanish, I guess you should know that <laughs> so the league tables Annie here were 15 each wow 
How the hell has he caught me back up? I can't believe it. This is incredible. <laughs> like, the show wants to be exciting, you know, and uh, we're doing a great job here to keep up with the score. So, next game is going to be the decisive one. Next game is going to be, you know, it's like, whoever wins that is the winner. You know, like in the Olympics, where someone's like the head of the marathon for like such a long time. And then all of a sudden, someone from the yeah. pack just starts running. It's like I've got lactic acid in my legs and I can't, you know, I can't sustain the lead. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it's not a sprint, right? I said, I think you said that yourself. It's not a sprint. But, but we're, a in the fin- we're, in the, we're in the final leg and I think we're going to have a photo finish. So the last one is the big one. And I'm going to do everything I can to win. Yeah. I cannot believe he's sneaking back into this. Anyway, all still to play for in next week's final. Make sure you subscribe to the FIFA Play On podcast on your podcast app of choice. Leave us a few nice words and give us a five-star rating if you want. Don't forget to follow me, Alvaro, and FIFA on all the socials. You'll get to play along with some of our versus challenges. You'll get bits of video bonus content. And you'll get a little glimpse behind the scenes of us recording the podcast. It's the last one of the series next week. We'll see you back here for that. Same time, same place next week.